This is Energy Thinks, a podcast about how the oil and gas industry can future-proof against rising social risk and lead the world into the energy future. I'm Tisha Schuler, your host and the principal of Adamantine Energy. On today's show, I'm going to share with you my most recent, both of these things are true, weekly installment. To learn more about these webinars, previous podcasts, and our work at Adamantine, please visit our website, energythinks.com. Now I'll dive into this week's issue. Both of these things are true. One eye to the future, transcendent oil and gas. We might as well reinvent our companies and the oil and gas industry while we're reinventing everything else, which includes defining how we will lead the world into the energy future. Both of these things are true. Today's peak pandemic challenges require all of our energy, wit, and capacity. And keeping one eye on the future requires using this time right now to transcend opposition to oil and gas by leading into the energy future. Here's the situation. Wherever you are, it might be a sunny late spring day like I'm having here in Colorado but it often feels like opposition groups are kicking the industry while we're down. For me though, this kicking is a stark reminder. Let's use this moment to reinvent how we lead the world into the energy future. All the indicators I monitor show that you shouldn't expect a break in the pressure to decarbonize and move away from oil and gas. If you're not inspired to pivot because we're in this massive state of upheaval and disruption, I do wanna flag your attention with a few indicators that social risks out there continue to grow. I group these risks and I throw in a bonus what to watch area. And if you check out my writing on energythinks.com, I have links to some of the things that we reference here. The first group is political. Across the world, political calls for a green recovery are not antithetical to oil and gas. Unless, of course, we define our role in the recovery in opposition to these ideas. A coalition of over 150 prominent companies worth a combined $2.4 trillion have made a very public call for a green recovery from the pandemic. They're asking agencies across the globe to ensure their response is grounded in bold climate action. On May 27th, the EU announced a green recovery plan. The second area is pressure from investors and pressure on investors. This always gets my attention. First, pre-COVID, major investment banks were making climate a new priority, including BlackRock, which in January, announced very specific expectations, and State Street in February rolled out their R-factor scoring system. These major investors are sending strong signals that their focus is not changing in response to the pandemic. In March, BlackRock announced that it would not cut its portfolio companies any slack during the upcoming corporate annual meeting season. And in early May, State Street announced it would convene in September an industry group on how to achieve 
consistent climate data. The activists pushing investment firms are doubling down during this time. So you can expect that pressure to roll downhill to your company. We linked to a video targeting BlackRock that was just released in April. Earlier in May, British investor Legal and General said it would vote against re-electing the chair of the board of ExxonMobil at a shareholder meeting on May 27th, saying that the US oil giant has not done enough to tackle climate change. The third bucket is announcements from the oil and gas majors. Climate and decarbonization announcements during the pandemic signal to the rest of us that these topics will continue to remain front and center. Total, for example, announced a net zero pledge in May. When Total announced its capital cuts a couple months earlier, it said it would not touch its new energies business. In April, Shell set more ambitious decarbonization goals, including reducing the carbon footprint of its energy and chemical products by 30% by 2035 and 65% by 2050. In March, BP agreed to draft a shareholder resolution to be voted on next year that would enshrine its pledge to reach carbon neutrality by 2050. And Equinor in February announced new climate goals, including reaching carbon neutrality from its operations by 2030, boosting renewable energy tenfold by 2026, and cutting its carbon intensity by at least half by 2050. And the bonus what to watch area I have for you today is tech. In May, Google announced that they would no longer make AI tools for new oil and gas clients citing ethical concerns. Greenpeace has challenged that company along with Amazon and Microsoft, stating that their work for the oil and gas industry undermines their carbon commitments. As with the investment of the divest movement, these tech decisions may not materially impact the industry, but they send us, us <coughs> oh, sorry, Michael, I'll start at the what to watch tech. And the bonus area I have for you to watch is tech. On May 20th, Google announced that they would no longer make AI tools for new oil and gas clients, citing ethical concerns. They had been, they had been challenged by Greenpeace, who also challenged Amazon and Microsoft, stating that their work for the oil and gas industry undermines their carbon commitments. As with the influence of the divest movement, these tech decisions may not materially impact the oil and gas industry, but they do send a strong message to the public, to investors, to stakeholders, to regulators about the need for oil and gas. So we think it's worth watching. All of this matters because this pressure, pressure is not going away. And ultimately it compounds the barriers to conducting oil and gas business as usual. We have the opportunity to embrace this direction of travel toward decarbonization. At this time, while we're making massive adjustments to our business plans, org charts, and ways of working anyway. Here are the critical mistakes not to make. Expecting that as oil price increases, social distancing relaxes and the economy recovers, 
life will go back to the old normal. Even if we did go back to the old normal, we were facing growing social risk and public opposition. So let's seize the day. Over the last few weeks, I've encouraged you to ask new questions. In today's theme, I encourage all of our oil and gas industry leaders to use the disruption of this moment to rethink how we engage with a skeptical public. Here are the questions I have for you. What do your stakeholders care about most right now? How are we defining and planning for the decarbonized energy future? Are we leading to that future? Have you engaged your millennial workforce in your strategic planning? Have you turned your company's innovation talent toward decarbonization and energy system disruptions? With multiple waves of disruption ahead, have you built a system for making course corrections on your strategic leadership and execution plan now? What's coming next? What opportunities exist right now that we could take advantage of if we had the resources? Are you visibly participating in society's pandemic and economic response? Can you narrate your leadership to your stakeholders and the terms they care about? I would like to hear what you and your company are doing to reinvent your leadership, your engagement with society, and the way that you're taking us into the energy future. So reach out to us at energythinks.com. That's our episode for today. Thanks so much. You can subscribe to my weekly emails at energythinks.com. We wanna know about what you've heard here. Visit, let us know. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to Energy Thinks on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And please help us by rating the podcast. Thanks for listening to Energy Thinks. Until next time, I'm Tisha Schuler. Wishing you and yours happiness, prosperity, and good health.